0: Hey guys, welcome to episode four of the Drop of Gloves podcast featuring Jordan Sambra. On my side, I have Logan site.
1: Yeah, we got a lot of stuff for you guys. We got a lot of frustration building up in Pittsburgh. We got Marc-Andre Fleury doing great out in Minnesota. Washington starting to heat up at the right time. They were sleeping a little bit this year. We're going to talk about a couple of the forwards from the Anaheim Ducks. We're going to talk about Matthews. He's only two goals away from 60. You got a couple rookies making their debut in the NHL. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights ran into some salary cap issues. Um, Dom, go ahead and start us off with Pittsburgh.
0: We're going to start off with Logan's favorite player of all time. Evgeny Malkin gets a four game suspension for a cross check straight to the face. Logan, how do you feel about that? Absolutely needed the suspension. Um, I texted you about it as soon as it
1: happened. I said, Dom Malkin's facing a suspension. You asked me why I sent you over the clip and you 100% agreed with me. There's no room for that in the NHL. If you're that frustrated at a guy, you just got to be a man and drop the gloves. And he was real lackadaisical that game. I I don't understand how such a star player in every everybody's opinion, can be so streaky. It really bothers me. We've talked about every podcast. We're not going to get into details, but while we're on suspensions, you have that nasty Crosby punch to the head the game before Sunday's game. There's absolutely no room for that in the NHL. I understand the frustration. You have such a good team on paper. Haven't been able to close out some pretty important games. We could have already clinched the playoff spot. Obviously, we are going to make the playoffs, but we've lost probably six very doable points, and I understand the frustration coming out of Pittsburgh. It was really cool getting to see his 1100th game and his 1,400th point. That was awesome. Never expected it. You needed three points. He ended up getting them. One thing that really stood out to me from that game is Raquel had an assist on all three goals. I knew that was going to be a big signing. We talked about it. It's just good to see it come to life.
0: Yeah, I think you guys should definitely re-sign Raquel because he's been a good fit, a better fit than he was in Anaheim. So if you guys don't re-sign him, then uh, it's kind of sad. It is. Uh, it is. He's a great forward, big body, plays the game so well, knows where to be on the
1: ice, not scared to back check, not scared to forecheck makes turnovers doesn't give up too many turnovers the other guy that's really been catching my eye this year is Gensel he's going for 40 uh, with his uh, two goals last night I think he's sitting at about 35-36 Dom, do you think Gensel's going to get to 40? yeah easily and he's on a line with what Crosby and Crosby and Russ they, they've been yeah. throwing that line around it was uh, Rodriguez for a long time they, they've been filling that line in but he's on a line with Crosby
0: yeah he'll definitely get 40 and there's plenty of time left he's a uh, young and skilled forward so there's no question that he'll get 40
1: and it seems like he always heats up around the playoffs. Um, he has for the last couple of years. So just know you're watching Jake Gensel. Uh, he's going to be solid, and, and I think he's going to really help us out in the playoffs. While we're talking about playoffs, let's move out to Minnesota. Minnesota is hot. Um, it's nice to see Marc-Andre Fleury getting some time in out there.
0: Cam Talbot seems like they're splitting 50-50. What stood out to you most about Fleury? He's always been a great goaltender no matter what team's been put in front of him obviously he had a little downfall in Chicago but they're young and rebuilding so I don't blame him one bit and obviously you see those two great goaltenders splitting time now uh, Minnesota is going to be an interesting team to watch the playoffs because they are so like young and they're not too young but they're young to uh, sense and they're led by Kaprizov Kapra, 91 points and he has 42 goals that kid is going to be a freaking stud and Minnesota is going to be a team to watch for sure and how is it when you have that
1: one two punch at goalie I mean Flurry's put up a 2.44 goals against average and a 926 save percentage. And Cam Talbot's numbers are up there with them. What's that mean to a team?
0: That means a lot. Like if one goalie's struggling, another hot goalie comes in, and it's less of a chance for losing. So uh, Minnesota's got something good building up. Even if it's not this year, they're going to look good for the next few years.
1: All right, now let's talk about Washington. Washington is finding their game. We kind of ruled them out there for a little bit. I think they're sitting four points behind the Penguins right now. Do you think they could sneak in
0: and take the Rangers? in the first round, or what do you think they got? Just off of experience, yes, I do think they could. But do I think it it will happen? No, just because the Rangers are hot. But also the Rangers haven't been in the playoffs for, I don't think they're in the playoffs last year. oh I wasn't talking about uh, making the playoffs. I'm, do you think Washington's going to jump up above
1: Pittsburgh and play the Rangers in the first round?
0: Oh, yeah, there's a chance, because Pittsburgh's struggling, obviously. But also those two organizations have had a past of playing like shit and then coming out hot. Repeatedly, So I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh stays. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington moves up. It's just how it plays out.
1: And they just had that four-game winning streak, beating the Flyers, the Bruins, the Pens, and the Lightning. There's three solid teams in there. Uh, the Flyers depends on
0: what night you catch them. What's that mean for a team that was struggling? It means a lot, and it's a huge uh, mental boost. Confidence is rising up. So beating three out of the four top teams going into playoffs is huge, and they're just setting their mark. While we're talking about Washington, I want to talk
1: about active players with 1,400 points. You have Crosby, Ovechkin, and Joe Thornton. For a player to make 1,400 points in the NHL is just unbelievable. All those guys are amazingly skilled. Uh, Joe Thornton, he's been around the league for a long time. The one thing that kind of caught me off guard is it seems as if Crosby got to that mark a lot faster than Ovechkin did. Obviously, Ovechkin's more of a goal scorer. Um, Do you think Crosby would have him by
0: 100 points if Crosby was healthy those couple years? Uh, Yeah, obviously. Crosby had like a concussion back in the day, and then he had a few other injuries. Obviously, he would have been higher, so I'm not going to deny that at all.
1: But obviously, the better goal scorer here is Ovechkin. I'll say that. Uh, I'll give credit where credit's due.
0: Speaking of um, goal scoring, I wanted to... Bring this up, because Ovechkin's already on the topic. Matthews is two goals away from 60. He officially holds the title for U.S.-born skaters, and he has 99 points, 68 games. Could... Alston Matthews be the second best goal scorer behind Ovechkin? Ooh, that's a tough one.
1: That's a tough one. And honestly, I think he has the ability, he has the team around him to do so. Um, It's just going to be staying healthy. If that guy stays healthy, I think we have somebody else chasing the goal record here in 15 years. That's just my personal opinion. Um, I'm not 100% sure on anybody else's opinion. All
0: right, Troy Terry. Struggled to find himself in the lineup for four years and now is putting up almost a point per game. 59 points and 6 68 games played. In the previous few seasons, he he only averaged 15 to 20 points per season before. Do you think he's finally starting to feel his game? I think the team's getting better
1: around him. You got Zgris there. Um, You got a lot more skilled players around them. They're all kind of seem to find their game. And I think Anaheim's going to be a team to reckon with in the coming years. This year's definitely not their year, but it's good to see these guys, you know, putting up goals, getting their feet wet. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they become veteran players.
0: Yeah, Zgris is also doing good. And then Jamie Drysdale, once he starts to be Jamie Drysdale from the OHL, they're going to be scary. They're going to be scary. And another thing I just had to bring up while we're talking about Anaheim,
1: Zegers tried to pull the Michigan the other night. He missed. But uh, as a veteran player, Dom, what do you think these guys are thinking when they see this stuff? They can't be happy.
0: They're obviously pissed off, but honestly, there's nothing you can do. Like, Players are getting more skilled, and if the veterans don't want to get more skilled with them, then they're going to fall behind, and you wait five years from now, it's just going to be something else is going to pop up from these young guys, so there's nothing you can do about it.
1: I think the veterans are only getting so mad at this situation because these guys are trying to find themselves in NHL lineups for obviously as long as they can, and when they have rookies coming into the league or you know third, fourth, fifth year guys that aren't veterans, and they're pulling moves like this, I think that just kind of, it kind of sends a shock to those veteran guys, and they need to find a way to stay
0: in the league as long as they can. That's kind of the name of the game. It's a new game, new era. I said that last podcast, and it's going to only change from here, so the veteran veterans got to get used to it. We're going to go on to the rookie talk. Owen Powers playing in Buffalo. Matthew Beneers playing in Seattle, and then we'll speak on Luke Hughes in a little bit, but Owen Powers playing in Buffalo. He had 32 points in 33 games played as a defenseman in Michigan. Matthew is playing in Seattle. 43 points in 37 games played with Michigan as well. Logan, are you excited for Owen Powers and Matthew Beniers this year?
1: Oh, absolutely. Owen Power really does stand out to me. Uh, 32 points as a defenseman in 33 games played. That's phenomenal. Also watched his first game in Buffalo, plus two in his first NHL game. That just shows that he has the speed and he's able to keep up in the NHL, and I think he's going to be fun to watch in the future. I think Buffalo has a couple other pieces that they need to find, and after that, I think they may be a decent team after all. I
0: don't know about that yet. They still got a long way to go, just like the Devils, and I think Buffalo's getting in the right direction for sure getting our wind powers and he's a big boy and they're, he's going to be like a Victor Hedman 2.0 but maybe even better so that's why I'm excited to see him grow and then speaking of another defenseman Luke Hughes one more year in Michigan Logan or one more year in New Jersey? What one are- more year in Michigan no
1: doubt in my mind um, if he's going to a team that's not struggling say you know Florida, Colorado, Pittsburgh Calgary you know a team like that that's not struggling and maybe they find themselves down a defenseman I could maybe see pulling him up and getting him some action but a team struggling like New jersey i think you need to develop these players as much as you can that way they don't kind of fall off track he's doing great where he's at in michigan and i'd be curious to see what one more year of development can do to him and then what he can offer the devils in the lineup yeah
0: another thing i want to talk about is matthew bennears playing in seattle obviously they don't have a lot of like assets and he's going to be a top six forward this year even and he's going to be a top four next year but the situation with vegas how did vegas do it differently than seattle like what was that process like because seattle's obviously struggling right now so
1: Vegas, you know, Vegas went out and they got a couple second line guys, some better second line guys out there in the league and, you know, Vegas didn't really care about chemistry. Vegas didn't really care about attitudes, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, everybody kind of gelled together and they made a big run their first year. I think what Seattle did differently was they kind of went into the situation just saying, let's just make an NHL team. You can't do that. You got to have some superstars. They went out and got all second, third liners, a lot of third liners and you got to have a top three offense you can't just put a top nine guy on your first line and expect him to go out there and put up number one line points that's just my opinion what do you think
0: i agree with you logan and you can't like get a bunch of like scattered players like it's just not going to work in the nhl it could work any other league but um seattle's struggling and they have a lot of picks so that's their upside a lot of damn picks for the next couple years but they they're still five years out but getting veneers in there is a huge step for the future do you think
1: that was the plan do you think they kind of watched what Vegas did and said, let's make moves to set ourselves up for the future?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And Vegas obviously has made the playoffs the past couple of years, so Seattle's not even in their picture. Whatever Vegas did, Seattle tried to copy and obviously failed. But do
1: you think that um, Seattle has watched what Vegas has done? Vegas is kind of in a sticky situation with salary cap right now. Do you think Seattle kind of went a different way about it to be that solid team in five years? Yeah,
0: because yeah, Vegas might have had that approach to win now especially when they've seen their team like actually doing something but Seattle might take the approach of like sitting back waiting let the kids develop and they definitely took two different approaches but don't be fooled Seattle definitely watched Vegas
1: okay and speaking of Vegas and that sticky situation that they've now found themselves in what's your opinion on that whole situation go ahead and tell everybody the situation
0: well so yeah the Mark Stone situation William Carrier and then Nolan Patrick and then Laurent Brisson that guy's name is ridiculous. But all on long, long-term IR, giving them an additional $4.925 million in relief. And that's a total of $9.93 million to activate Mark Stone and his $9.5 million cap hit. All right, so this is just my personal opinion on
1: that. And I don't know if you guys are going to agree or not. The NHL needs to assign... Um, Physicians to these guys And need to make sure that these guys need to be On long-term IR. Just being able to Activate three guys until long-term IR Does not sit right with me. I think there Needs to be a policy. We've seen it in Tampa Bay when they had their second cup run They had uh, Kucherov Stamkos. Stamkos. Stamkos was on long-term IR and they would no way have been Near salary cap compliant If that did not happen. So I think the NHL Needs to come out with a way to be able to Evaluate these players and make sure that These long-term IRs are not just salary Cap compliant issues.
0: So, are these guys actually hurt, or they just put on? I mean, they're 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 hurt,
1: but I can't tell you the severity of the injury. They may be day to day. They may be week to week. I'm not
0: 100 sure. So, do you like think like? Maybe one of them, like, they're, they're quote-unquote hurt, but they're faking it for the salary cap?
1: I, I think it, it's a very good possibility. Um, Vegas found themselves in a bad spot, and when you see a team like Tampa Bay be able to do it to a star player, I think it's just setting a bad thing around the league, and I think the league needs to delete that because once it comes to the playoffs, there's no need for a salary cap. As long as you make it through the season, after that, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't agree when Tampa did it at all, and that's just like a slap in the face to teams who are in salary cap dumps. You know, just because you're an all-star team making the playoffs doesn't mean you can abuse the rules. So I agree with that. Um, they need to change that because Tampa Bay shouldn't have been allowed to have Stamp Stamkos in Elena.
1: Now, how would you change that? Would you go to the Would you go to the extent of being able to have a league-wide, you know, doctors out there to be able to assess injuries? or do you think that would force players back too quickly?
0: Yes, I agree with the doctor situation, but also I think there needs to be a league vote on that, like obviously so there's not any bias, but have a league vote on if teams could bring back that player over the salary cap like make it a 31 32 team vote
1: yeah send that out in your GM meeting at the end of the year and just kind of get the league's opinion because to me as a fan it does not sit
0: right yeah it doesn't sit right especially being a devil's fan we don't see playoffs so seeing that's annoying yeah I mean
1: if you guys had players you could I mean you guys have the most salary cap in the league I don't know if that still holds true a little bit I think we're top three we have to be obviously you guys have some big contracts coming up and whatnot but we're going to get off that subject if you guys Listen, please let us know your opinions. I'd be curious to see what everybody's thinking on that. Um, let's move on to the playoffs here. Um, obviously, Florida and Toronto are still up there in one, 2 Tampa's trying to sneak in for the second-place spot with 96 points. Florida, Toronto, Cal- Carolina, New York have all clinched. Penguins are only one point out from clinching. Dom, um, what do you see?
0: I see a very hot Florida team still. Um, they're... Changed my mind a lot. They kind of jumped above Carolina for me, and just because I watched them play, um, Florida's deeper than I thought, and I did not expect that from them this year. Carolina, obviously, they're number one in the metro. They're gonna be hot, but don't. I think the Rangers have a chance of sneaking up and getting on number one spot. They've been impressing me lately. Toronto's playing good. Tampa's playing good, and then yeah, Washington's starting to heat up. So I think I don't know if Boston's starting to fall down a little bit, but Washington could go above uh, Boston, so it's getting interesting. Uh, scratch out New York Islanders. They're not making the playoffs. That was, I tried, and they were struggling, so we can cross that off. Yeah,
1: they'd have to win out. It's not possible. It's not going to happen. Um, well, let's move over to the other conference. You got uh, Colorado still on top, followed by Minnesota and St. Louis. Colorado's the only team to have clinched playoffs in that uh, in that conference. Uh, Minnesota's uh, 96 points. St. Louis 96 points. Calgary's still has 99 they're impressing me I think they have one of the biggest goal differentials in the league tied with Colorado it's a plus 77 that's really impressive to me Edmonton's found their game with 90 points they've been doing very well in their last few games the Kings are still sitting there with 88 points that looks good to me Nashville and Dallas 89 and 88 Vegas is sitting on the outside of the wild card by three points with 85 and
0: after that salary cap issue I really hope they miss the playoffs so do I and just because uh, I don't like the salary cap situation I would have said the same thing if Tampa was in the bubble like I would have said the
1: same thing if Pittsburgh was in the bubble to be honest
0: I don't like that situation but um I don't think Vegas will that's tough I don't think Vegas will make it even with or without Stone speaking on Edmonton they're doing good I'm proud of my boy McDavid but um LA is surprising me that conference is just weird to me this year and I don't know why but it just looks awkward who's your winner out of there I got Calgary um I'm see, uh everybody's gonna say Colorado and I don't agree with that. I said that in the first week of this podcast. I don't agree with Colorado. I think it's gonna be either Minnesota or St. Louis still. That's, you you don't see Calgary? I do. I, I think they have a strong chance, definitely, but um, Johnny Gaudreau's last year I don't know. It's just too good to be true type of story But if it happens, it happens But Minnesota's my number one Speaking
1: of Johnny Hockey, uh, there's four players above 100 points He happens to be one of them With Seidel, uh, Huberto, and McDavid uh, With 101, 102, 105, and 108 points respect, Respectfully um, Austin Matthews sitting at 99
0: Do you see anybody else hitting that 100 point mark this year? Yeah, obviously Matthews um, Matthew Kachuk is really surprising me actually I did not expect him to have 92 points, but good for the kid. Former London Knight. And then um, Kaprazov, Marner, and then potentially Panarin. Other than that, I don't see anybody else hitting 100 points. Not even Ovechkin.
1: I don't think Bradman's going to hit 100. Marner has a strong chance. Who do you think brings home the heart? Come on now. Obviously, you want it to be McDavid. Come
0: on now. That's not even a question. But if there's... My first choice is going to be McDavid. Like, obviously, no bias. He's just the best player in the league right now. But... I think um, Johnny Huberdeau or Johnny Gaudreau are both strong candidates. Same with Austin Matthews. So that's going to be a tough top five to pick from. But McDavid's leading the way. And then if I had to pick a second... It's probably going to be Huberto.
1: Mine has to be Huberto. I mean, he wasn't even close a couple weeks back. He's now sitting only three points behind McDavid. He has a strong, very strong chance
0: to overtake him for the trophy. Oh, that's easy, easy. And there's a lot of talent this year, and I love to see the league getting harder. All
1: right, and who do you think the goaltender is going to be to beat? Um, we're looking at stats here. You got Anderson with the 2.07. She's with a 209, and Markstrom with a 219. Do you think she's Jerkin has a chance to overtake anderson
0: um yeah i do actually because both are on great teams and new york's like only getting better this year i hope they don't have a slump well i do but I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it pg today frederick anderson is he's been my one of my favorite goalies this season so i think he'll maintain that but don't count igor definitely not and then markstrom i don't damn he's he's playing good too he's on calgary yeah, so it's tough, but those two goalies have a strong chance at the best. Man. I
1: definitely, I would like to see it go to Igor, but that's just a personal opinion. Uh, now on the defenseman here, looking at points, Roman Yossi's really surprised me this year. He's got 87, followed by Cal Mercar at 77. Obviously, he's going to finish first for defenseman.
0: Damn, I did not even know the defenseman had... The top defense at 87 points. That hasn't happened in a while. That's ridiculous. But, yeah, right now it's Roman Yossi or Kalmakar. Makar. Like, I like Kalmakar Makar better because... He's so smooth with the puck. But, yeah, Roman Yossi is definitely going to win that. and If he doesn't, I'll be very shocked.
1: You know the one guy that stands out to me in the top five there has got to be Adam Fox?
0: Yeah, not really, though. Like I've always liked Adam Fox on the Rangers, even when he first started. So he's only going to get better. He's going to put up probably like 80 points next year. I guess it's popular now. So, I don't know. I don't. It doesn't surprise me at all, to be honest. And it's nice to see Quinn Hughes in the top ten. Yeah, he struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year. and. It's nice to see him actually get his game, and we all know he's an elite defenseman, so that's not a surprise.
1: The one guy we haven't given enough credit to is Michael Bunting.
0: Yeah, he played for Sue, actually. You know he's the one who slew-footed um, Devin Williams, right? No, no way. Yeah, in the game... Game six Versus uh, Erie Yeah so he's the one Who gave us that Five minute power play And so it's good to see him uh, Overcome that And do something in Toronto But Zegers is right behind him And that's my rookie Of the year right now That's your rookie Of the year Zegers Yeah either Zegers Or Raymond um, I think I don't think Bun- Bunting will keep it up, to be honest. So, Zegris or Raymond are going to be my top two.
1: I see Zegris, especially for the way that he's coming in and playing his game in the NHL. That, to me, stands out much more than anything.
0: Hey, guys, we're here with former Erie Otter 2017 champion Jordan Sambrook. Jordan, how are you doing today? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. No problem. All right, Jordan. So, winning the 2017 OHL championship, how is that feeling? Reflect on that whole night.
2: Yeah, that was uh, honestly one of one of my best memories of hockey so far. Obviously, uh, you know, game five there at the EIA, and it was sold out crowd. And uh, I remember people like outside before the game and stuff, like chanting Go waters and all that stuff. But but yeah, that uh, that game obviously was was something very special. I know myself, all my teammates will definitely cherish that forever, and uh, going into overtime there, we kind of just, I think we all kind of knew that we, we wanted to win that in front of the home crowd and not have to go back to Mississauga for, for game six. But, uh, but, yeah, definitely one of the best nights of, of uh, my life in terms of hockey and uh, something super special that, that we were
1: honored to win. And that that night went on for a little while after the game. You, you guys were up in the party level or up in the suite level up there, and you guys all kind of got to hang out. What was that like just being with the team after such a big win?
2: yeah that was awesome obviously we all had our or most of us had our uh, families there too and everything so uh jim our, our owner there, uh was, was a great owner for us and uh was able to yeah open up the uh top level there for for all of us and all of our families and everything so to be able to celebrate with with them too that, that meant so much to us and uh as you could tell, that, uh, everyone was, was super happy for that and, you know, we had to get ready for the Memorial Cup, so the, the celebrations for that lasted not too long, but, but that night was special for
1: sure. Uh, what's your favorite memory as an Erie Otter, not including the championship?
2: Uh, I just, phew, probably for me, there, there's a lot of them. We had a, we had a pretty good team, uh, over the course of my three years there, but, um, I'd just say probably my, my first game, uh. You know, it was, it was my first game. I can't remember if it was at home or on the road. I think it was at home. But, but, uh, but just, like, the feeling of, of going on the ice there and uh, knowing that that was one of my goals to make the OHL. So uh, being able to accomplish that and uh, obviously playing for a great organization in Erie, it was uh, super special for me and uh, definitely, you know, one of those nights that I'll once again cherish for, for the rest of my life.
1: And we know that it's pretty cool playing in front of Erie. All the former otters we talk about say they absolutely loved it here. Now, what was it like when you knew you were getting traded to the Sioux? Did you know that you were going with Taylor, and did you know that that whole thing was about to transpire?
2: Uh, I heard some rumors kind of about it. I didn't really know uh, what was going down We because we were on the road with Erie. We were in uh, Flint and Saginaw, and I, I didn't know... When we left to go on the road trip, I had talked to Taylor because he was at World Juniors at the time, but I had talked to him and he kind of said like, oh yeah, he's going and he thinks that I'm kind of a part of it first, which I didn't hear anything from anyone else. So I kind of at that point knew like if he heard that, then I'm sure it's probably true if you tell me that. And then uh, <clears throat> and I was walking into the game to play, so I not think it was the first first night of the road trip, and uh, the coach just pulled me aside and said, "Yeah, hey, you're not playing tonight, like we got to trade, trade for you in the works and all this stuff. So I ended up, uh, that's how I found out that my agent called me and kind of told me all about it and stuff. And uh, I stayed on the road, actually, with the Otters for, like, the Nets team as well. So, like, I had been traded for, like, a day already, and I was still, like, with the team. It, it felt a little weird, to be honest. But, uh, but, yeah, so we played Friday, Saturday, and then I bust home with the team on active game Saturday. I drove up to Guelph to play with the Sioux, my first game, on Sunday, and then I drove back Erie and did all my stuff, and then drove back home and flew up to the Sioux, uh, like, the Monday, I guess Monday or Tuesday. So, so it quite was an, kind of a crazy
1: weekend. I was going to say, quite an eventful weekend, huh? Yeah, definitely a crazy weekend, but, uh, but yeah, so I,
2: I kind of knew it was coming, but didn't really know until I officially heard it, so...
1: And then I guess my next thing is how weird was it? Because obviously you guys normally get buses and whatnot to get up to games. How weird was it having to drive up to Guelph yourself?
2: Yeah, it was pretty weird. Honestly, like when I walked into the rink, like with my bag and stuff, and I'd never done that in the OHL kind of thing. And I was like, I knew a couple guys on the team, so I was like texting them. I was like, hey, like, like let me know like when you guys are here, because I didn't want to go into the room like before everyone else was there, like a little, little bit nervous and stuff. So. It was definitely weird, but but uh, obviously we had played golf quite a bit with Erie, so I, I kind of knew where to go and all that stuff. But, but yeah, it was kind of weird not not really knowing anyone or knowing only a couple guys and having to walk to a new room and play right away.
0: All right, so I got a big question. Who are the best fans in the OHL, Jordan?
2: Uh, uh, I don't know. It's a tough one. I, I love both spots I play in, and Erie and the Sioux, but... But honestly, that uh, well, I just I got to experience both kind of fans in uh, or both finals fans. We make the finals in the Sioux too, but I'll go with I mean I'll go with Erie. I guess it's a bigger building, so it got pretty loud in there for, uh, for that NHL championship game. But honestly, credit to, to both teams, just both teams have a, a great fan base.
0: So speaking back on the trade, um, you were you were traded to the Sioux, obviously, but. What was that? Did it, like, suck, like, in a sense of, like, leaving Erie and it wasn't really expected until, like, the trade deadline time?
2: Yeah, for sure. It was a huge mix of emotions for me. Uh, obviously, I'd never done, gone through a, a trade before like that. And, uh, you know, at the time, like I said, I loved in Erie, so I didn't, you know, I didn't No, I didn't want to trade, but I didn't, you know, like, push anything. Like, if it happened, it happened. If it didn't, it didn't. I would have been happy either way. But... But, yeah, just a huge mix of emotions. I remember, like, when I first kind of heard it, I was kind of like, even know how not at right now. Like, I'm, I'm so sad to be leaving Erie, but really super happy to be joining the Sioux and uh, with the team that we had there in the Sioux that year. It was, I knew it was going to be a fun ride to try and win another OHL championship. But, yeah, i say it's like a mix of emotions, and it was like really something you can't prepare yourself for until it happens kind of thing. So, yeah, it was kind of all over the place, but, but it is what it is.
1: Uh, one question I wanted to add on was uh, when we were playing London in game seven and Murdoch came out and played that puck at the top of the circle what's going through your mind as a defenseman in that game yeah
2: I, I honestly think I was on for for when he did that too and I was I was quite scared but uh, but I guess you know boy knows best in the, in that situation but that was another game that was that was crazy that I probably won't forget for a while either that I think we were down two or three nothing in the first, and then we clawed our way back, and uh, it just brought it to brought it to overtime there. And but but yeah, when he came out and played that in overtime, I was almost want to yell at him, kind of say stay in the net. But he made a play, and when he came in there, he he shut the door pretty good for us. So uh, that was another one that that I definitely won't forget on on football's overtime winner there.
0: How do you feel about the cowbell situation and the cowbell cowbell's getting banned from the EIA now?
2: Yeah, is that still a thing? Is, it, is it still banned there?
0: Yeah, but it's permanent permanently banned.
2: <laughs> um, you know what, I, I understand it I guess from a from a point of of safety, you know. You, no player wants to hit with a, a towel bell, I guess, and the, throwing that on the ice and all those kind of things. But I mean, it's passionate fans. Obviously, like I said, the safety's the number one factor, so I completely understand it, but but if they can somehow prevent fans from doing from throwing them on the ice, obviously cowbells make a lot of noise. So when uh, when the fans have them, it's it's a nice kind of added feature for the for the players to have the crowd that loud. But I I don't agree with them throwing them throwing them on the ice. That's that's
1: definitely a safety hazard. But absolutely, and to reflect on uh, Fogle's game winner there in overtime, I'm, I'll never forget this moment. Uh, came into the equipment room i was there with steve and nick and uh, we're all in there and he like asked if we have a screwdriver and we just kind of look at him like super weird like as you know you played in the o normally if you need an equipment adjustment you would just let steve know here in erie and he got you guys taken care of well he was tied up on a pair of skates uh, for somebody i want to say it was maybe stromer he was redoing his edges and uh Fogle comes in and he goes hey I've never scored in my blue or white helmets I can't remember which one it was um, he took the visor off of the one helmet put it on another helmet it was kind of cool he asked me to do it I did it he came off the ice there after that overtime goal in game seven probably gave me one of the like most vicious hugs I've ever gotten he goes it's all in the fucking visor that's just a special memory that I'll never forget from that run yeah
2: that kind of crazy. I didn't know about that actually but uh, but well that's, that's pretty cool I guess for you and for him to, to be able to share that moment I yeah, for him to uh, for uh, store that store that winner for us, but that's pretty cool. I, I I did not know about
0: that. Yeah, yeah, you were a London killer in the playoffs, man.
2: Yeah, yeah, we were. Uh, well, I guess my my first year there, we we got swept by them. That was the team they they won the Memorial Cup there. But but yeah, that second year they uh, we we did pretty well against them. So it's always nice being those guys.
1: Now speaking of Memorial Cup. Obviously, it didn't turn out exactly how we wanted it to, Um, you know, coming in as champions, having to play all the way through there. Do you think the CHL needs to make any adjustments there when it comes to, I mean, that team was off, I want to say, for 14 weeks before heading in to play you guys. Uh, you guys might have got a week off at the absolute max. What's that say about the Memorial Cup itself, or do you think it didn't have anything to do with the outcome?
2: Um, it's hard to say. You know, obviously, like the rest is good. Maybe for more so for guys that are, you know, maybe let's say you have an injury or something, and he's able to kind of work his way back during that time. But I know it is kind of a a grind uh, to play through playoffs and all that stuff. But you could you could make arguments that you know we were sharper too. Like they hadn't played. Uh, you know, maybe yeah, like I said maybe they were more, were more rested, but they played in a while. So I know as a player, it's kind of hard to be off of of like real games for a long time and then come back and be your absolute best. But um, I know I know for them, they have to you know they have to kind of pick a host well in advance to be able to get everything set up for it because there's, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that has to go on. So honestly, I honestly didn't mind the the situation. Obviously, a lot of people were talking about it, but. Uh, with Windsor, they were they were a great team, and just got it just kind of sucked for them that they had the four or five matchup in the in the first round and lost to a, another good London team. So I didn't really have a problem with it, you know. It's, it's four games and the with the top teams, you know, everyone should should be on their best. And like I said it was a it was a great tournament for us. Obviously, we didn't finish the way we wanted to finish there, but. Uh, definitely a great year for
1: sure how was it um playing those teams of those leagues that you you guys don't typically see during the season um did you guys watch a lot of film to get prepared for the memorial cup or is it just kind of one of those play styles that's across the board and you guys knew what to expect
2: yeah we did watch quite a bit of film uh you know they they kind of i guess the the way the whl plays the way the Q plays it's a little different i guess than us you know the dub tends to be a more of a checking type of lead and the Q tends to have more you know still guys and I find the O's a, a good mix of both but uh we we did watch quite a bit of film obviously those two teams that were from the other leads were you know quite good they had some pretty good players on them with Barzal and Polizar and Ethan Bear on Seattle and uh Shabba and all these guys on St. John. so uh we did watch quite a bit of film to, to be ready for that and uh you know our coaching staff worked, worked really hard for getting us prepared for that. So that was uh, definitely a, a good thing and I think it's something that we needed to help prepare us going into that.
0: We're going to talk about your time after the OHL. I know you went to college for a little bit and then you went to the ECHL. Um, how did you manage to like work yourself to the ECHL from college?
2: Yeah, so yeah, I went and played at, uh, at Brock in, uh, in Niagara Falls or St. Catharines. Um, which was a good experience. Um, I was kind of i didn't know whether i wanted to like, if i wanted to play pro right away or if i wanted to go to school first but uh, i ended up going to school for i guess it was a year well two years but i only ended up playing a year because of covid the second year got canceled but um but with like the the school package and everything from from the ohl it was uh so i might as well go, go get some school done if i'm you know, not able to sign like a NHL or AHL deal right away. Um, so yeah, I decided to go do that for, for two years and uh, got about half my, my college done. So uh, definitely proud about that. But then, yeah, once the, my second year there was canceled because of COVID, then I was like, I, I can't take a year off of hockey to you know, just sit around and practice all year. So I obviously wanted to play pro too, like whether that be anytime through my college career or after my college career. So I uh, decided that that would be a good time to, to go play pro. And, um... Yeah, start my professional career, so after, just, it was March of last year that I left school to to come down here to Florida.
1: Now, what's it like playing in Florida? Obviously, up north here, playing for Erie and playing all the way up in Sioux, you know, you got real cold weather, some bad snowstorms, what's it like playing down in that warmer weather?
2: Yeah, it's awesome, actually. Um, You know, going to the rink every day in shorts and t-shirt, and then coming out, it's, you know, 90, 90 degrees outside almost every day, and uh, during the during the winter months down here, it's like it doesn't rain at all, so it's like sunny basically every day and like no rain, no thunderstorms, nothing. Um, so yeah, <laughs> honestly, going to the rink every day in shorts, and t-shirt is awesome. And we go we go golfing quite a bit. We do a few deals at some courses around here. So um, just all the outdoor activities that you know that everyone back home can do in the summertime, you can do them year round around here. Going to the beach, just endless amounts of things, but, uh, but yeah, I love it. So.
0: Two goals, 18 assists, and 20 points in 59 games played for the Florida Everblades. How is the season going, and what is your favorite part of being an Everblade?
2: Yeah, the season's going real well. Um, we're actually in quite a tight battle right now. We play Atlanta in our, uh, in our last two uh, season games this weekend, so um, we just have to win one of them, and we get first place uh, in our division. which would be nice to have the uh, have the home ice advantage throughout the place throughout division playoffs but but uh but yeah our, our fans are awesome down here so it's uh it's gonna be an exciting time for sure and me personally i feel like i've had a really good year i've been able to play in a lot of different situations and power play penalty kill you know five on five all that stuff so it's definitely been a good year for me in terms of developing and keeping up my uh my stats there and all that stuff and i think just you know my favorite part about being everybody is just uh just the support we get in the area obviously we're in such a nice area down here in fort myers so um, like I said, our fans are great, and just the support we get every night at the range is, you know, one of the, one of the best in the ECHL. So, what is the, like,
0: the capacity there? I've never been to a Florida Everblade game, obviously, so, like, what do you, how many fans do you guys get? Uh,
2: I think the capacity of the range is around 8,000, and we typically get around, like, between four and 7,000, depending on the night, because obviously we're a pretty big, like, tourist des- destination down here, so all the people from up north... Um I come down here for vacation or if they have houses down here and then they uh, they want to see hockey still, so we uh <clears throat> we have a pretty big like a pretty big fan base and uh, they, they fill up the rink pretty pretty good most nights, so definitely an honor to play here.
1: And you had two loan games in the AHL with the Charlotte Checkers. What was that like? Yeah, that was
2: that was awesome, honestly. Uh my coach here I practiced in the morning, my coach here called me like that afternoon it was like hey like charlotte wants to call you up so i was super excited for that but I flew out the next day and then uh got to charlotte and uh you know met all the guys there and then we went on a road trip up to rochester and syracuse and uh unica so grew up in upstate new york and be down here in florida is funny funny kind of story it's just like i didn't bring any like really warm clothes down here not really needing any and, then I get called up and going up to upstate New York in the middle of January and I had like a little spring jacket as my only jacket really so I'm freezing walking around there but but uh but no it was awesome and getting to play in the two games and kind of building my resume I guess helping me you know get those games in the AHL that's good experience for me and something that can hopefully help me uh, in the future to you know, be able to play in that league full time.
1: And I've never, I've never really experienced or talked to anybody that's experienced. What's you, what's that experience like when you get that just sh- that call and then you got such short notice to get out of town? What's that like? Yeah, I, yeah,
2: it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty quick turnaround, I guess, too, kind of thing. Like I, like I said, I was, I was like lucky I had a full day to kind of pack up and get out of there the uh, the following day, but. I know some guys that get called up like in the morning and they have their flights in like three or four hours and they're rushing around. But, but uh, yeah, I think it was just super excited like so excited to be able to get called up because, you know, it could happen at any time and whatnot. But I I was just so excited that I just couldn't wait to get up there and couldn't wait to, you know, get with the team and start playing those games.
0: All right, Jordan. You have any last message to the Erie Otters fans or the Sioux Greyhounds fans before we let you go?
2: Uh I just like to say thank you guys, I guess, for my for my time in the in the OHL and um, for for it's you know, players there or players in the in the future, just enjoy the time. I know obviously a lot of people say it goes by really quick and honestly it really does. I Four years, and some some guys to play five, and some guys to play less. But enjoy your time in the OHL because junior hockey is honestly one of the one of the best. And uh, for the fans, I I can't uh, thank you guys enough for the for the support and everything you guys gave me and helped me to keep chasing my dream of being a professional hockey player. So. Thanks for everything, and I hope, you, uh, I hope you guys do cheer on the Otters and the Greyhounds and, you know,
1: the rest of the league. It's a great league. Awesome. Jordan, well, we appreciate your time on the podcast with us, and uh, we'll send you over the link when it's done. Um, other than that, I think that's pretty much all we got, and I just want to say thank you.
2: Awesome. Thank you guys. I appreciate it.
0: So, Erie has a lot of struggles right now. Four-game losing streak and three out of the four were home. It's um, a lackluster effort that's been put towards the games for the Otters recently. And especially when the last three before at home and you drop them, that's uh, not good at all. Home ice advantage is supposed to be home ice and the lack of heart was embarrassing. What do you say, Logan? Being there Monday,
1: Tuesday this week, um, it just kind of seemed like there was no drive. Um, Quite frankly, hearing some of the things that fans were yelling from the stands, um, I I, I couldn't agree more. Um, You know, we're a little upset. Don't get me hard. Is it hard to play four games in six? Yeah, but when you only have a combined, uh, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 hours of travel, I just think that you got to find a way to be better,
0: and I don't think four and six is really an excuse. No, it's definitely not an excuse, and when you're in a playoff push, you're in a playoff push. You can't expect a fan to show up to your playoff push when you don't care, and when it's a one-line show with Diamato selling and Brissette, you got to have a whole team effort. You're not going to make playoffs, and the only— That's keeping Erie in the playoff push right now is Sarnia losing. Sarnia is giving us ample opportunities to secure this. Sarnia, I want to say,
1: is also on a four game win or four game losing streak. I think the last game they won was over Erie. And before that, I also want to say they were on a four-game losing streak. I want to say that they're 1-9 uh, and nine in their last 10. They've left the door open for Erie. It's been a tough year for the Otters. I understand that. But at the end of the day, when 10 of your last 11 games are at home, you got to expect to come out with a couple more points than that.
0: Yeah, and I agree. And. One player who's been like underperforming this year is Hoffman. Like He was a stud the first couple years. I don't know what happened and uh, it stinks that he's not performing. He only has 34 points in 60 games played and he had a suspension in the early season. I don't know if that affected his mindset all season but what do you think about Hoffman?
1: And That suspension was completely lackluster. That slew foot, there was no room for it. It was a terrible play by anybody in the league, even a rookie. Um, I don't agree with it. I don't think he's playing to his full capabilities. The guy's got speed the guy's a big body he's not scared to throw the hits around i just would like to see him a little more consistent
0: yeah i agree and hoffman's got to be more consistent he only has a few games left speaking of uh consistency where would we be if we kept sproll? that's the thing and maybe steve from our facebook page was right all, to, all this time, he had uh, very high expectations for him, and he's tearing it up with Peterborough, these crazy numbers, and he was on the fourth line in Erie. I don't know what you want. Like, he was on a fourth line. You can't expect a uh, first-round pick to be on the fourth line all your career in Erie and look at him now.
1: And I think if that coaching change comes sooner, I think Sproll puts up great numbers here in Erie, and we're not in the situation
0: we're in now. Not at all. And at this point, I think we should have kept Sproul, and maybe Hoffman needed the change too. Like, he could have, like, went somewhere else and had big numbers just like Sproul. Now, do you think Erie's just too young for the playoffs? Yeah, I do. I think we might be too young, or the young guys just don't have enough heart. Some of the older guys don't have heart, and I don't know. I just don't think it's a might be a bad mix, but... I want them to make playoffs. So these last two games are huge, and I don't know what I don't know what to say about Erie right now. Let's
1: let's go on to these last two games for both teams. Um, Sarnia has Saginaw, in London. Obviously, the easier route. Um, Erie is forced to play Hamilton and Windsor. Definitely not who you want to play in must-win games. Um, Obviously, Sarnia has a better chance, you know, getting to play Saginaw last team in uh, the league, actually, now. They fell behind Niagara. Um, It's just, it's easier for them, and they left the door
0: open for us on some pretty winnable games, and it's just tough to see. Yeah, uh, Sarnia has a better chance of making the playoffs just because of that Saginaw game but if Saginaw can do us a favor then Erie's got to play hard against these top two teams in the OHL if not then you can say bye bye to playoffs and then I don't blame it because they haven't been shown up when they had a a huge home stretch, and there's no excuse to not be in a playoff spot right you now.
1: Now, the one thing that really gets me here the most is um, the Sarnia situation. Um, like we talked about, left the door wide open. Erie has a chance to beat Windsor. There's no doubt about that. It's been done this year. Do you think Erie even has a chance to beat Hamilton?
0: Um, it depends. They could rest their players. They could uh, rest up, but if they have a full roster and they play the way they've been playing, they're going to get smoked, and teams going into playoffs are Obviously on win streaks, and you know that by the past in Erie, like the good authors teams always go in with a win streak, or that's just how it goes. So uh, let's take a look at the Western
1: Conference here. It, uh, wins are guaranteed. They're going to end up playing uh, Erie or Sarnia. Uh, Flint's going to end up playing Kitchener. Uh, London's going to play Owen Sound, no doubt in my mind. Um, and Sue's going to end up playing Guelph. The only difference you might see there is Sue and London may flip-flop. They both have uh, three games left, both tied at 81 points. What do you see coming out of that first round?
0: Um, obviously, uh, I think Windsor's going to take one of us. Like, I just don't have any desire for any of those two teams right now. And then um, Flint, uh, I don't know. I think they'll be Owen Sound and Kitchener. That's not... And then the London and Owen Sound or like situation. I don't know. I think London will take that. And then the Sioux and Guelph is going to be interesting because... Guelph's actually pretty good, and they, they— They showed that last night. They impressed me the other day. So I think that one's going to be the most um, intense series, to be honest. Now let's move out to the Eastern Conference, something we don't see too much of. Um, Hamilton's
1: either going to play Ottawa or Peterborough, it'd be—or Oshawa. I didn't see that. Um, but and then it looks like it's pretty much locked up after that. Uh, North Bay's going to play Barry and
0: Kingston—oh, no, I'm sorry. Kingston's going to play Barry. See that? The uh, Western, or Eastern Conference is confusing because they're so close in points for no reason, and the Eastern Conference has always been the weaker conference besides Hamilton this year. Yeah, I just don't—you can't really say anything yet until the season's done because they're too close in the bottom right now.
1: I actually screwed that up. Mississauga is going to play Barry. Kingston will end up playing Oshawa, Ottawa, or Peterborough. Hamilton's definitely coming out of the first round. North Bay, you know, ha- haven't seen much of them this year,
0: if any here in Erie. I don't think we played North Bay at all. No, I don't remember playing North Bay, but we might have missed that game as well. Um, what's your predictions, Logan, for the OHL championship? OHL championship? I gotta give it to Hamilton or Windsor, hands down. Huh. Those, those That's my final. That's my conference final right there. Uh, that's the total final right there. But I don't know. I think Hamilton definitely out of the East. Like That conference, I think, is the weak conference this year again. But I'm going to say Hamilton in either Windsor Windsor or, hate to say it, but London. Yeah, it's not
1: Flint. Flint's not that top team that their points show. They have talent, and they are good, but they're not going to win that conference. There's no way.
0: Uh, you never know, but I don't think so either. I, like I said, Flint shouldn't be there, but it is what it is. But, yeah, my prediction is probably going to be Windsor or London out of the West and then Hamilton. Is there anybody that's really stood out to you this year? Um. No, not really. Everybody in the OHL is actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, A lot of underperformers. But, yeah, Wyatt Johnson, obviously, is doing what he's supposed to be doing. There's um, Rory Kernis from Sioux. That could be a little surprise. I've never actually heard of the dude until this year, so he's doing good. Um, And then the Luke Oh, this guy's name from London, man. I hate his name, Evangelista. Like, what the fuck? Change your name, buddy. But 108 points. He's uh, he's a great hockey player, though. And then who surprises you? The uh, Will, I can't say this guy's last name, Will Claude out of uh, Windsor.
1: Oh, yeah, Will Coley. Yeah, he was actually Coley. rumored to be uh, come to Erie. That would have yeah. been a nice pickup would for Erie. Um, I really, other than that, nobody's really stood out to me. Obviously, Shane Wright putting up numbers. Um, he's really kind of stood out on the power play as well. Other than that, there's not really any eye, eye catchers. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I, I was expecting Shane Wright to be in the top five of the scoring, though. Like, honestly, he's going to be go first overall. So that's one little surprise to me. But other than that, um, everything looks how it should be. Oh, Brendan Othman. Can't, can't not
1: talk about the guy. Always has big games against Erie. He's kind of stood out a little bit. But other than that, man, that's all I have in the OHL.
0: Yeah, that's all we have in the OHL as well. Let's talk a little
1: bit about the OHL Cup. Uh, The one guy who really surprised me out of that was Michael Miza, I believe is how you say his name, and he applied for exceptional player status. Do you think that's something that's warranted? He had 10 games played, 10 goals, 10 assists, and 20 points.
0: No, if the talent's there. The talent's there. Um, there's only been one time the OHL or the CHL fucked it up. And there was one player um, from Sudbury. I forgot his uh, exact name, but he shouldn't have got exceptional status. They only messed it up one time. So you think Michael Misa has a chance? Yeah, he has a chance, but... Um, I, I gotta get this guy's name Because it's gonna bother me But everybody who knows hockey Will know who I'm talking about From Sudbury a few years ago uh, Well that's all we have For the OHL guys Obviously big playoffs coming up The Chicklets Cup Logan Maybe we host some tryouts We already registered for it It's in Buffalo Spitting Chicklets That would be so much fun to go to
1: Yeah registration opens up uh, Wednesday the 27th We'll definitely We'll have a team Anybody's interested in playing Definitely get with us uh, We could, I think we need a total of About 15 guys I'm pretty sure is the number. Yep. Get with us. We'll see what we can do. We also have a big tournament coming up. We're going to be up at Erie Bank Sports Park for the Rob Banks Memorial Tournament, April 22nd through 24th. If I'm not mistaken, check out their page. I think they had a couple openings left.
0: Yes, they have a couple openings left, possibly in the A-League, but I think it was the C-League. They have one for sure. 10% of our total sales from that will be going towards
1: pancreatic cancer research. Uh, we'll be up there 6 p.m. on Friday, 8.30 on
0: Saturday, 9 o'clock on Sunday, Um um, go ahead and tell them a little bit about Fort Wayne. Yeah, so Fort Wayne. We're going to Fort Wayne this weekend to see our boy Sean Sedlowski. Um, we're excited for this. It's going to be our first ECHL game. And um, if the camera's working, we're going to try to do a little vlog for you guys and record Fort Wayne, the city, and all that. So Drop the Gloves, we'll be going to Fort Wayne. Um, it's going to be a four-hour drive. We're going to get in a hotel. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Shout out to Sean Sedlowski for the tickets. Uh, we, re- we really do appreciate it, and we're excited to have a good time. All right, guys, be sure to check out Drop the dropthegloveshockey.com. We have a lot of cool apparel on there. We got a rebirth section still. We got beer hockey. We got the banner. We got hats. We got everything. Um, We're going to have more stuff in the future, but for now, go check out the website and get that drop the gloves merch as soon as possible. We're selling out fast. I think the rebirth, we've already sold out a couple sizes, so
1: it'll definitely be a restock here in the near future on that. Um, Other than that, guys, we just want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, We want to thank you guys for the support over the last couple weeks of our new podcast. We really want to say thanks for all the downloads we've been getting. I think we're up over 200 downloads on the first three episodes. That means a lot. And to all of our listeners from out of state, that's awesome. we got listeners up in New Hampshire, Indiana, Michigan. we got a couple down in Florida. Canada. Yeah, we've been in every province in Canada. we got a couple out in California. I think we even got a couple plays over in Europe. So it's just nice to see all the support you guys are giving us and it does
0: not go unnoticed. Yeah, we love to ship you guys some Drop the Gloves merch. So get your merch and then send us some pictures. We'll hype you up. We appreciate all all the support like let's get everybody and drop the gloves gear for sure thank you guys so much for watching episode four of the drop the gloves podcast featuring Jordan Sambra